This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Good afternoon, good Monday. Happy uh, Battle of Alberta Hangover Day. I don't know, I think everybody's uh, fully recuperated from Saturday night's fun. Uh, Obviously, the game wasn't here in Calgary. It was in Edmonton, where I'm sure a ton of people had massive, massive hangovers the next day. Boy, those... Hey, Saturday night, Battle of Alberta. I don't fault anybody for wanting to go out there and have a real good time. Uh, In Edmonton, the party was ruined by the Calgary Flames. Their second win to open the season. And I thought we'd bring in uh, today's two guests. In the second half of the show, we got Milan Lucic. Going to talk about a number of different things. Uh, You know, he's always fascinating to talk about. I want to talk about life after hockey. I want to talk about the season, a lot of different things. But first, we're going to open with... Gary Lawless, he's uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights, insider, columnist, color man. He's a jack of all trades. He knows this team better than anybody in the hockey world. And I want to get his thoughts on the Vegas Golden Knights because that's who the Flames play tomorrow. They're 3-0 and to start the season. And a lot of people are, uh, I don't know, I guess maybe a little surprised that the team has started that well because there were some questions that maybe the Knights weren't in that upper echelon in the Pacific. I'll ask you first, Gary. Are they still a team that should be considered to be a challenger for this division all year long? This is the best team they've had. So, yeah. Ever? For sure. That's in terms, fascinating. In terms of their skaters, you look at – so look at center ice. They have Jack Eichel. Then you have Chandler Stevenson, who mm-hmm. has developed into – you know, he had 30 goals last year. He's developed into a, a, a top six – bona fide top six centerman. Mm-hmm. William Carlson is their third-line center. William's one of the best two-way centermen – and the National Hockey League, and then you have Nick Waugh centering the fourth line. If you and you know you look at the blue line, Petrangelo, Theodore, McNabb, Martinez, uh, and then two really good young burgeoning players in Hague and White Cloud. That that's you know they're not Colorado, but they're uh, they're I would say they're right there with Calgary in terms of an elite blue line. Uh, the question mark is in goal, and mm. it remains. Uh, will be a question mark and for the entire season, really, because yep. yeah, you don't right. know if how, if, a, how, if a kid's going to do it until he's done it. But Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill have been uh, have been fantastic right out of the gate. So, uh, but just to go back to like when I say it, I I should I should qualify that by saying, you know, it's the, the this is the best group of skaters the Golden Knights have ever put on the ice. Yeah. and uh, and and really to me, it's not even close. Like you look at what they had in, in year one. That's a mystique, and uh, and you know an, an energy that you, you just could never re- replicate. That you could, if they had brought all those players back the next year, and ran the same team out, they wouldn't have gone to the final. No. They, they just they, they wouldn't have done it again. And uh, so you know, I mean, I think management has done, uh, from my perspective, they've done a fantastic job. They've used. Cap space is perishable, so they used every dime they could, you know, early on. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, were they up against it last year and even the year before at certain points? Sure. But the result yeah. of that is is now that you have Mark Stone, Alex Petrangelo, and Jack Eichel, who are, uh, I don't care what the athletic says, those are three of the 
top 100 players in the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a fascinating statement. When you think about it, William Carlson used to be your number one center. Yeah, and that was always the big complaint. You know what I mean? Like I'd go, uh, I'd go on the road, and you'd bump into broadcasters in uh, in other cities, and like you know, or or hockey people, really good team, but you don't have a number one. So then Kelly McCrimmon goes out and gets a legit number one, and everyone bitches about it. Like well, yeah. you know, like last year. Last year was a lost year because of. Because of the injuries, actually, I was digging this up because, you know, Calgary was so, uh, you know, skated away from any injuries last year, and it was just so fascinating. Vegas last year, they were – this is – got to put my glasses on for this, Eric. <laughs> this Vegas – Cal Calgary, the cap hit loss injury last year. $2.17 million, $2 million, lowest in the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. yeah. Calgary finished, won the Pacific with 111 points. Vegas missed the playoffs with 94. Vegas, $27 million, yeah. which was second highest in the NHL in cap loss. Man games lost. Calgary, 81. Vegas, 516. Calgary, lowest in the NHL. Vegas, third highest in the NHL. This is the part that's really, that really blows me away. Man games lost to top six forwards, top four D, and number one goalie, Calgary, 10. 10 men wow. games lost to their top six forwards, their top four D, and their number one goalie. Vegas, 276. So, <laughs> like, all of this, uh, Vegas is terrible. Vegas is going to miss the playoffs. Like, it, 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 it's sophomoric in its lack of, uh, of intellect and, and, and hockey knowledge and homework. Yeah. Uh, you do, just to look at that. You corner Brad Treliving some night after he's had, I don't know what Brad drinks or if he drinks anything, but uh, let's just say a couple red <laughs> wines. You corner him and ask him what his team would have looked like last year had they have dealt with those injuries oh, or, yeah. or any general manager of the yeah. National, National Hockey League. They're going to tell you we wouldn't make the playoffs. Yeah, the Calgary Flames have been incredibly fortunate for the last, I'll go back a decade. You know, it's, it's quite amazing. That's not to discount what Calgary did last year because Calgary <laughs> was a fantastic hockey team. And, you know, even if they had had – like they didn't have any injuries. <laughs> Even if they had had a normal amount of injuries, they're just as good. They're going to go. But what Vegas experienced was almost historic. You know what I mean? Like, it's like over 500 man games lost. It's a crazy amazing. number. Yeah. But you understand, too, the, that the narrative surrounding your team is revolves almost entirely on losing Robin Lehner for the season, right? I mean, that's why sure. people, yeah. Yeah. when they talk about who's going to compete for – because last year, every press conference we had in Calgary – and you probably heard this, Daryl Sutter would continually just say, well, there are two teams that are by far the best in our division, Vegas and Edmonton. Yeah. Even with He was week, right until February 1st. There you go. Vegas was, Vegas was first in the Pacific on February 1st. Yeah, right. And yeah. they missed the playoffs. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, it just caught up to them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it stands to reason. But so I haven't heard the coach talk about Vegas as much this year. He, he talks about Edmonton being the – you know, the shining star in the division. Now. Let's, and I, and I let's get keep it. it that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's, that's why I wanted to talk to you because I think you, you do understand that the narrative changes because the goaltender is, is a question mark. Tell me about the goaltending situation, how you think it will unfold, because we in Calgary are a tiny bit familiar. I mean, I wrote a column on Logan Thompson last year. I think he's a great Calgary story, and I think people here who know him are cheering for him. But, you know, who knows how it's going to be divided between him and Brassois and, and Hill. Yeah, well, I don't know the answer to that either. No. And Thompson is the only one of the amongst the three that doesn't require waivers to go to the American League. Wow! So like the plot thickens, it right? Sure you does. know what I mean? Yeah. When Brassois gets healthy, 
they're going to want to look at him at some point in time. And, uh, you know, I don't think they have the cap space to carry, carry three for very long. Wow. Uh, so, um, you know, who knows what happens. But right now, Logan Thompson isn't going anywhere. He knows this. Yeah, you know, he's, yeah. got a, he's got an agent. His agent has cap friendly. You know, they're, yeah. they, they understand what uh, how all of this works. So, uh, yeah, Aiden Hill to me is really fascinating in the sense that he's had like a 908 career save percentage and he has played for horrible teams. Yeah. Horrible teams. It's a pretty good number for it's pretty good number for and then and you know what I mean, like people way smarter than me, they look at his season last year and then they do a a quality of competition start and they say, Yeah, James Reimer played against Bob Bugner knew he was gonna lose a lot of games last year. And he determined that Reimer gave him his best chance to win. So he when there were games they weren't they weren't gonna win, like when they played Calgary, he wasn't playing James Reimer. He was saving Reimer for the games they could actually compete in. Yeah. So he's running Aiden Hill out against uh, the Edmontons, the Calgarys, you know, all the elite teams in the NHL. Yeah. So still playing against elite competition last year on a terrible team, yeah. he still had a 908. So, you know, every goaltender, uh, director of goaltender, or goalie coach or whatever on every team in the NHL, they look at goalies that are out there that are not number ones that they think they could be number one, yeah. and they identify them. And uh, Aiden Hill apparently must be one of those guys because, you know, the, the Golden Knights hired Sean Burke, and shortly after they traded for Aiden Hill, so they must have said to him, "Is there a diamond in the rough out there?" That you know, and he must have said, "Well," and he knows Aiden Hill really well because his son Brandon is a goalie. They were a tandem. In Portland, in the Western Hockey League. Is that right? Yeah, so he's known Aiden Hill for a long time. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Berkey uh, lived and played in Arizona, yeah. lived in Arizona. Saw him there. So he would have seen Aiden Hill there a lot. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, um, you know, if you just run the numbers, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll come to the conclusion that Vegas just doesn't have it in Golden. And then the other thing yeah. is the way Bruce Cassidy coaches. Every goalie that has ever played for Bruce Cassidy in the National Hockey League, uh, sorry, in his time in Boston, every goalie that came to him in Boston that, that came from somewhere else, their save percentage went up. Now, the Bruins were a really good team, yeah, right? But Bruce coaches, the way he coaches, uh, it, it's goalie friendly. So, uh, you know, it, will, the goal te- will the Golden Knights, I think their, their team save percentage – was like nine oh one last year mm-hmm. or nine something like that. Not good enough. Will it get to nine oh eight, nine oh nine, nine ten, or higher? That wouldn't surprise me, not one bit. So uh, we're talking to Gary Lawless with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, that 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 brings me to the coach. I mean, with DeBoer out and Cassidy in, I wondered, you know, how that would impact the team, how it would change the way they play. Are you saying they'll go a little? bit more defensive minded is that uh, I wouldn't say that but no. it, it's a different system for sure it's a pure zone uh like you'll watch when you watch tomorrow night you'll see the D uh you know he'll have a player uh you know down low and as the player moves up the wall he'll hand him off to the forward and he'll go back to the D stay close to the house and they uh that there's a lot of ice that Bruce Cassidy doesn't care about if you can't score from it He's not wasting his time defending it. So okay. uh, they'll, there's the, the real good ice where teams have an opportunity to score from. Mm-hmm. They'll fight like hell in that area. And, and they've got the players for it. They have, uh, 
you know, you look at if you look at the lines right now, Eichel and Kessel are not known for for their defensive work, but Riley Smith is elite in that area. Uh, then you have um, Howden with Stone and Stevenson. That's a really good checking line. They can check. They can. Uh, Stone is you know one of the very best and. He is the best takeaway guy in the National Hockey League with that long stick and and that elite hockey sense. And Howden works real hard, and Chandler Stevenson is just a fantastic skater. And then you've got uh, William Carlson's line. They're gonna they're, they'll check like nobody else. And then the fourth line, which has been really good uh, to start the season, their uh, uh, their expected goal is like 76, which, which is 76 percent when they're on the ice, which is number one on the team and really high in the NHL as well. Small sample size, but Mm -hmm. this is what we're talking about. We're talking about the start of the season. Yeah, exactly. Well, tell me, in Calgary, I look at a guy like Tyler Toffoli, who's on that top line, and and to me, he's one of the most important players on this team because if he can't hack it as their number one winger with the big boys, this team's really got a bit of a problem. Yeah. Phil Kessel. Yeah, well, Phil had 50 points last year, which everybody kind of forgets. Yeah. You know. 50 if, if he has 50 points this year uh riding shotgun with Jack Eichel you'll be that'll be fine good call yeah that's no problem you know what i mean uh you know Riley Smith is uh is off to a really good start and uh you can tell he knows that, that he's got uh, an opportunity skating with uh you know two of the best passers in the NHL that he's going to get some points this year yeah. and i i was watching um Bruce Cassidy talked just before I got to the rink and he was talking about, uh, uh, he was on Jeff Merrick's show and he was talking about how he, you know, he, he Bergeron was so good defensively and, and was so good offensively, you know, he, he'd love Jack to have some of Patrice's game. Mm-hmm. And if he can, and I think him, and he said, you know, Jack and I are on the same page that we want him to be one of the best offensive players in the NHL. But we also we're going to need him to be really good defensively as well, and we've seen that from Michael so far. Yeah, uh, there has not been any straight leg stuff going back. Uh, he has uh, he's killed penalties. Um, you know, when you think about it, when you are one of the fastest skaters in the NHL, uh, you know, and you're in elite elite condition, which he hasn't been for a long time. Yeah, like he missed 11 months of hockey. He also missed the opportunity to train for a long time. Like he, his development has been delayed. Uh, I he, he, there's the potential for Jack Eichel to just explode this year, and for you to be talking about him with McDavid and and Drysaitel and Matthews mm-hmm. when it's all said and done. Yeah. And you know uh, that'll uh, that'll help the the Golden Knights story as well. So uh, hey, like I work for the Golden Knights. I, people are listening. They're gonna be like, he's a homer. Well, I, I work for them, but I also. <laughs> uh, get to see I, I also look at it and see what's in front of me and I, i'm quite enthusiastic as a result of uh of what's been put together this isn't uh um this isn't rose colors glasses this is mm-hmm. there's real potential here yeah and i think most people thought when they got eichel and just edged out the flames you know to get him in that yeah. trade i think a lot of people saw that he is projected to be a top 10 goal scorer in the national hockey league no question in most people's eyes, and <clears throat> if he's had a good off season and a good start, I think there's a lot of people believe that you're probably right. In that. Yeah, and he's got the right wingers. You know, it's it's fascinating uh, the way n- narratives go. You know, Brad Treliving gets uh, uh, put into a position 
last year that was, you know, could have been the worst in the National Hockey League, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of what he had to go through in the offseason. And he comes out swinging and does a fantastic job. And so the narrative about him is that, you know, he's, you know, he had the best offseason of any general manager in the, in the NHL. I'm not going to quibble with you. Mm-hmm. He, he had a great offseason. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon, for whatever matter, uh, you know, people decided because he's traded Nate Schmidt and, you know, and Mark andre Fleury and whoever else that, you know, that there's this crazy turnover rate in Vegas. You know, since t- 2017-18, Vegas' first season in the National Hockey League, you know how many teams have more players on their roster from that season than Vegas does from that season? Not many? Four. Is that right? Yeah, everyone thinks that there's what this, it's this stat, crazy man. turnover machine in Las Vegas. There are seven players from the 17-18 roster yep. still on the roster in Vegas. And the Islanders, the Lightning, the Capitals, and maybe the Avalanche. I've, I've got the list somewhere, but I, I know it's four teams. I don't know what four they are off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Those are the only four that have had less turnover Amazing. than Vegas in, in, that, in that window. But because Brian Burke is grumpy one morning on uh, uh, Hockey Central and says, ah, they're trading too much in Vegas, that narrative gets picked up. Yeah. That's like four years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's still, to this day, out there. And I love Berkey. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not... Of course. Uh, we all say grumpy things yeah. on radio. I probably, <laughs> pro- probably said a few here today. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> hilarious. All right. Hey, listen, we'll let you go. I know they're practicing out there right now. Thanks for your insights. They're always impressive. Yeah, and, thanks, uh, Eric. Great to see you again. You too, Eric and I were – I was <laughs> a – I was in my first job in 1993 with uh, – I was at the Chronicle Journal in Thunder Bay, and you were at the Calgary Sun, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the Thunder Bay Flyers and the Calgary Canucks both made it the Centennial Cup. And Eric and I, we were in a similar room like this at some Hilarious. hockey rink in Gloucester uh, in Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, that was 95. 95? Okay. 95. It was really early in my time uh, in the business. That I hadn't, I hadn't gotten to Winnipeg yet. And uh, You always bring that up. That's the first time we worked up. together. And I tell people all the time, people say, what's the greatest thing you ever covered? You know, I've been to Olympics and all over the world covering sports, all the best events. Honest to God, that run from the Canucks in 95 was the most – fascinating, exciting thing to be a part of in my career. Isn't that Some, crazy? Well, it's not really because, like, the access and you almost get dragged along as part of the group yeah, in those things. I think so. And, and I was young. and Yeah, for sure. It's it was fun. It's exciting and, to be part yeah. of a movement that just nobody saw coming. Nobody saw so, coming. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say my the seventeen eighteen season with the Golden Knights for me was Similar. the most fascinating thing I've ever been Oh, around. I would imagine. Yeah. Well, it's one of the most fascinating stories the NHL or pro sports has ever seen. Yeah. So I can understand that as well. Are the Stampeders going to make a are they going to make a push on the Blue Bombers here, or we should have a little wager? You want to have a wager? Sure, a bottle of red. Okay. All right. Done. All right, you got it, my man. Hey, good to good see you. Good to see you. Thanks. Awesome. That, that's Gary Lawless. Your Vegas Golden Knights game tomorrow night. Battle of the Undefeateds. They're three and zero. Calgary Flames are two and zero, and they've done it on the back. You know, two of their wins are with a, a good old Calgary boy, Logan Thompson, in that. Who I would imagine. We'll start tomorrow night. Gary, you can give me a wink if you know. Yeah, thumbs up. He thinks that's probably a pretty good probability. And, uh, you know, people are fascinated to see the Vegas Golden Knights. It's one of the most uh, interesting teams in the National Hockey League, has been since they got here because of the way they jumped onto the scene. And since then, you know, littered with superstars. Uh, they grabbed superstars on the open market. 
they do so many things that make them so interesting. And it's, it is fascinating to me that just because their goaltender is lost for the season, a lot of people just don't talk about them at all in the Pacific Division. And, and I think Gary shed some light on why that's probably a bit of a mistake. All right, he mentioned Brian Burke. We got Berkey coming to town here. I just got a text from him right now. I don't know what he's – anyway, he's coming to town with the Pittsburgh Penguins next Tuesday. He's offered to stay over Wednesday night and do a hot stove with us. I mentioned this earlier on Twitter. I'll mention it again right now. Uh, text in at 960-960. I'm going to do a draw for two tickets to go to that. Brad Treleving and Brian Burke, two guys who I dare say walk on water in this city. And I promise you that the guests that we're going to announce any day now is going to blow your mind too. Tickets are 100 bucks. That includes dinner and a drink and a ton of laughs. We're going to tell stories off the record. No cameras, no phones. These guys are going to tell stories that you don't hear anywhere else. I keep joking that Brad's going to reveal there exactly what happened in that trade. The Huberto trade, one of the biggest trades in, in the cap era. You know, what really happened? How did that unfold? Was Huberto on the table from the beginning? Was it a late ad? When did Uyghur get into the picture? I'm pretty sure he's going to tell us exactly what happened at uh, the YYC, the rooftop YYC, if you haven't been there. It's an incredible venue just across from the Westin downtown near Supreme Menswear there. We're going to sell a bunch of tickets to this, but we want to keep it somewhat intimate so that the guys, it's conducive to telling great stories. When we've done this over the years down at the Beltliner, uh, I think this is number seven or eight for us. Uh, we've had just some most incredible stories uh, that have been told by these guys that you just don't hear anywhere else. They're in a relaxed environment. Everybody's got a rum in their hand, a beer in their hand, whatever the case may be. And uh, it's it's just an experience that I think if you're a diehard Flames fan, I don't see why you wouldn't want to be interested in something like this, especially since the whole thing is for Kids Sport Calgary. All the proceeds go to Kids Sport Calgary, and we're going to raise a ton of money that night. So I encourage you, if you want to buy tickets, go to my Twitter feed at Eric Francis and, uh, and buy tickets. I have the link up there right now. Uh, again, if you text in right now, I'll also put you in a draw. I'm going to draw two names, and I'll contact them after the show to let them know they've won. If you don't win and you really want to go, 100 bucks. it's great value considering you get food, you get drink, and you get a ton of laughs and memories and great stories that you can tell your friends and regale them with after the fact. And, of course, another reminder, while we're doing some business, the pizza pig out goes the day after that. Thursday, October 27th at Cowboys. That one's only 50 bucks. All proceeds go to Kidsport Calgary as well. And uh, if you haven't been to a pizza pig out, uh, you're in for a treat. 50 bucks, all-you-can-eat pizza. Last time we had it, before the pandemic, 700 pizzas showed up. Uh, it's a who's who of the Calgary sports scene. Daryl Sutter is coming this year. He already told me he's coming with Chris, his son. Um, everyone pretty much in the Calgary media will be there. They never miss a free... Uh, a free feed, and uh, and Brad Treleving will be there. The front office staff from the Flames will be there. Um, you know, we got Stampeders, Roughnecks will be there. We can't get the Hitmen in there because uh, because it's it's a licensed establishment. Most of them are not of age, or some of them are not of age, so they can't get in there. But um, we have also had a bunch of the cavalry in there. It depends on their schedule as to whether or not they'll be back. Um, they may be playing right in around that time. Uh, but we generally have a really good uh, showing from them. And uh, we also, at the end of the day, the end of that day, have a pizza eating contest. John Cornish has won it in the past. Um, 
Marco Carducci, I believe, from the, the, the Cavalry won it, I think, twice. Or was it Nico Pasquati? I, I, Pasquati won it. Anyway, we're going to have all the heavyweights there at the end. It's like a minute and a half, all they can eat, and it's amazing how much these guys can shove down. So get involved, help out Kids Sport Calgary, and have a great time. Both those nights, if you can handle it, or at least one of them, and tickets are on sale at Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out. Dot com. All right, you're listening to the Eric Francis Show. It's brought to you, of course, as it always is, every Monday from 1 till 2 by Horse Racing Alberta. Live racing Fridays and Saturdays at Century Downs. If you want more information, go to thehorses.com. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Milan Lucic. You're listening to Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, breaking news. We don't have one of those stingers, but breaking news. You're listening to the Eric Francis Show. Thanks for joining us every Monday, 1 till 2. Good chat with uh, Gary Lawless in the first half, talking about the Vegas Golden Knights. He brought up some really interesting points, like saying that that's the best skating team that Vegas Golden Knights have ever had. That's interesting. But people don't consider them like they did the year before or the year before that because of their goaltending situation. But anyway, uh, our guest coming up here in just a few seconds, Milan Lucic. I had a conversation with him just a little bit earlier. We taped it like 20 minutes ago. In that conversation, we do reference what I'm about to say, but he didn't know this fact right now. We are talking about the charity hot stove on the 26th. Brian Burke, Brad Treliving. I mentioned earlier that we are going to have a special guest and it's going to be a big name. I just got confirmation during the break. That third gentleman is another person who walks on water in this city alongside Tree Living and Burke. His name is Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter, Brian Burke, and Brad Tree Living are all going to be at the charity hot stove on October 26th. Uh, if that doesn't sell out the joint within minutes, I'm not sure what will. The link, if you want to buy tickets, they're 100 bucks each. You get dinner for it. You get a drink. You're going to hear some great stories. You're going to see Daryl in a light that you haven't seen him in before. Uh, you, you go to the link uh, at Eric Francis uh, on Twitter. Uh, they have the link there. And also, if you go to Kidsport Calgary, that's the benefactor of all this. Uh, people have also been texting at 960-960 uh, to get in on the draw. I'm giving away two tickets to the hot stove. So thank you for all the people who have entered their names by texting us at 960-960. I will do that draw after the show and contact the winner uh, immediately. If you don't win, you will want to buy tickets to go see this and hear these guys unfiltered. It will be a blast. Okay, uh, our next guest needs no introduction. Uh, I thought he was very, very good the first two games of the season. Uh, playing a fourth-line role, obviously his role has changed over the years. Uh, with this team, but I think he does it admirably, and I think he's fitting in really, really well uh, with his new linemen on the fourth line. It's Milan Lucic, and this was our conversation just a short time ago. Okay, Milan, I, I did a story today talking to some of your teammates about fighting one another. Believe it or not, Huberdeau and Wegar fought one another in junior. How many times have you come across a teammate that you've previously fought? Any idea? And is it uncomfortable? Is it always a fun situation? Or is it sometimes a little contentious? Uh, to the top of my head, I, I don't even know if, if there is a handful of guys that I've played with that I've fought, but 
Um, yeah, I think it's one of those things that you kind of just move on from it when you become yeah. teammates. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, obviously, there's something that pissed you off that, that made you fight. Um, you know, I, I can't speak for everyone, but there's a lot. There, there are guys that hold grudges. And I even know for myself, there's there's certain guys that I dislike more than other guys yeah. and, and all that type of stuff. But um, when you become teammates, it's kind of like, you know, if there is something you have to hash, it's good to have the conversation and and, yeah. and get over it and then and then kind of start laughing about it. But um, yeah, that, that that's kind of my approach about it is, you know, but at the end of the day, you, for me especially you have respect that the guy was willing to either stand up for himself or stand up for someone else or come after you because he was mad at you about something and all that type of stuff it's 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 kind of like that i always say it's it's like the schoolyard rules of what it was like for us growing up where if you had beef with someone or altercation with someone you you take care of it then and there mm -hmm. and then you move on from it any idea how many fights you've had in the NHL? I was just just because I was looking to see if you'd fought a former teammate on HockeyFights.com. It's it would be far too labor intensive for me to keep refreshing pages to see all the people you fought. Any idea on numbers? Uh, I don't know. I I I'd, I'd say maybe 80s or 90s. Look at I, this guy. The, you are more than any player I've ever talked to in like 30 years of covering the NHL. Your memory, like your number, your your ability to cite numbers and stats over the years is incredible. So 85, okay. 85 fights, you, you you pretty much nailed it. And uh, anyway, enough about fighting. Yeah, I know that's just a, a small. And, and actually, now, now that you mention it, there's only two at the top of my head of teammates that I've fought, and that would be Patty Maroon and Jordan Nolan. But after that, I can't really recall anyone that I've. I had fought, but I'm probably there's probably someone else. Somebody too. a junior, maybe. Maybe. But that's interesting too because Uyghur Uyghur has fought Huberdeau and Kadri. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. You, did you know that he fought Kadri? I knew I knew Kadri, but not not Huberdeau. Yeah. 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 It was it, and and Huberdeau said the same thing that pretty much anybody, especially in junior, says when they fight a lefty. I didn't know he was a lefty, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. Do, do you do in your mind again? We'll move on from fighting, but I'm fascinated. Just are you familiar with everyone in the league who is a lefty, or do you have to refresh yourself every year or two on that? Uh, yeah, you kind of know. Um, I would say when I had more time to myself, I used to uh, <laughs> before kids. Yes, I, I mean I, I used to I used to actually go on hockey fights and watch all of them, you know, who'd, you know, who'd fought the night before and previous fights and all that type of stuff. So, but now I'm just too busy to, to, to keep track of it all. <laughs> all right. We're talking to Milan Lucic about a whole slew of things, but I wanted to kind of throw that out at you, uh, throw that at you at first. Okay. Uh, the start, obviously right now people are, have been pumped about this team for a long time. Now that you've started two and oh, I'm starting to sense that this team is really starting to get the respect and the attention of people around the league. Are you feeling the same thing? I think so. Um, you know, you can even look at it from a standpoint where, you know, we didn't even have 
a national game in the U.S. last year on TNT or ESPN. Not a single one. Not a single one until we hit the playoffs. And then I think they had a slot when we were in Anaheim back in March. So it just threw us in because we were good. Yeah. But before that, you know, there wasn't really much talk about our team or wow. or anything like that. But obviously it gets people talking. Um when you make arguably the biggest trade in salary cap history with two 100-point guys going for each other and, and all that type of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, it's, great that, it's great that there's all this buzz and noise and, and, and all this type of stuff and expectations on us uh, on the outside. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's cool to get that respect, but that's something that you need to earn. And... Uh, for us internally, we just gotta, you know, keep keep the goal in mind of of keeping everything, you know, like like Daryl says, week by week, day mm-hmm. by day, mm-hmm. and and all that type of stuff. Last last week was great, you know. We started off with the Cup champs and and the Battle of Alberta, and and I think the I think the the best part of our game was we were ready to play those games, mm-hmm. and you saw that in the first period and. And that's something that we got to continue to do moving forward against a team like Vegas, who's 3-0. and Yeah, yeah. They've had a pretty good start, too. And they get a little bit of national attention, too, from time to time. Oh, for sure. Down in the States. Uh, I want to go back. Uh, blockbuster trade, of course. 200-point guys switching spots. Trivia, because you know this stuff so well. The only other trade in NHL history where a 100-point guy went to another team for another 100-point guy. Do you know what who it is? Uh, I don't. Um, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that yeah, question. Yeah, I just saw it the other day, and I, d- I didn't realize it was the only time. But it was Gretzky for in, in for Jimmy Carson and that big that big swap there. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I was thinking maybe Gretzky, but I didn't know how many Couldn't points remember how many how, the, uh, the LA guys had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah interesting. Uh, okay, the I, I, you were we were fascinated to talk to you the other day about you know. Do you want to play next year? And just rehash for people who didn't hear that, you know, your theory on, on, on wanting to extend your career past this year because your cro- contract's up at the end of this year. And, you know, there's still runway there. Yeah, you know, I just I, – I love the game. And, you know, you love competing. You love being a part of a group. And, uh, you know, like I was saying the other day, you know, just just being grateful and and – you know, happy every day that you get to live the dream that you wanted to live as a kid. And that's something that I've been able to do the last 15 years heading and this being my 16th year. You know, I just feel like I'm really uh, grateful and fortunate that I've been able to do that. And like I talked about too, is, you know, I've, I've been able to, to stay healthy for a lot of my career. I haven't missed a lot of games, especially for the way that I play. I mean, I'm, I hit 1,100 games here on Thursday against Buffalo. And, yeah, I, I still feel like I have a lot to give. Um, you know, whatever role uh, the coach wants me to play, the team wants me to play, I still feel like uh, there's a lot I could bring to the team on and off the ice, um, you know, with experience and leadership and, and, and all that type of stuff. And, and you know, I always share the story about, you know, Mark Recchi, um, you know, getting to play with him for two and a half years. And he said, you know, play until they kick you out. You know, if your body can mm-hmm. still do it, keep doing it. Because uh, whatever you do after hockey, there's nothing like being a player in the NHL. And, and you know, that's something that always uh, stuck with me. And, and another one, too, is like I said uh, the other day from Dean Lombardi is, you know, um, 
don't ever lose that little kid inside of you. You know, that little kid that was, uh, you know, playing in the back alleys or street hockey and, and, you know, for kids, you know, playing, playing, you know, on frozen ponds and all that type of stuff, you know, playing for the love of the game and that little kid inside you and don't ever lose that. And those are two things that have always stuck with me. And those are two big things and reason why, why I want to play. And I know I'm rambling a bit, but also, you know, I, I won. Yes, I've won a Stanley Cup and I won it as a, you know, 23 year old. And, you know, I wasn't married. I didn't have a family and all all that type of stuff. And, and I have my kids around the rink a lot. Uh, yeah. And now they're old enough to understand what's going on and, and all that fun, fun stuff. And I make them a part of it. So I would love to win again and share that moment with, with my children. And, and that's another big uh, motivating uh, point for me. Yeah, that would be uh, pretty incredible. After hockey, though, again, I know you're hoping it's many years from now, but it's an old cliche question when we ask players what they want to do after hockey. But I think you're a very you're such a unique player in the league, such a unique personality. You'd be brilliant in the media. I think you'd be brilliant in a front office. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated where you might think you may end up, or not at all. Uh, you know what? I, 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 do, I do see myself in hockey because, yeah. you know, like I just talked about, I, I do love the game. Um, you know, I watch when I'm at home because uh, there are guys around the league that don't watch. They don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I, I even remember TJ Oshie's uh, spin chicklets. You know, he said he couldn't name you 100, 100 or 50 players in the league or whatever really? he said. And, you know – there, there's and there's nothing wrong with that, yeah, you know. Yeah. And and um, yeah. So, but for me, I, I I really do enjoy the game. Like I said, I'm a fan of the game. Um, so it's it's just one of those seeing one of those things. You know, I've th- obviously I've thought about it. Uh, just just seeing what opportunities are out there, and you know, you brought up a bunch, and then I guess trying a little bit of everything and yeah. seeing what I like to do and and what I'm good at, and and go with that. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to Milan Lucic. It's the Eric Francis Show brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Uh, you touched on something else the other day that was fascinating, and I want to share this with people too, is the rings. You know, you saw Nazem Kadri's ring, 669 diamonds on it. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 like a, it's like a paperweight, right? It's gone away from being an actual ring that someone would wear. Take me through the evolution from when you got your ring. You referenced Johnny Busick's ring. Just reiterate that. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that's. I think it's cool to see. Uh, you know, like you said, the evolution of the rings, and and like I said, I think it's become more of a a trophy than it is something yeah. that you wear around. And uh, you know, even me personally, I uh, from what I thought was a huge ring at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, when I got mine in 2011, <laughs> it's almost you know a third of the size or a double the size bigger. And uh, yeah. And, uh, Any idea how many diamonds were on yours or anything like that? I don't even know if they threw numbers like that. Uh, like they that. did tell us, but I, I, don't I, I, I don't remember. It wasn't 669. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't that much. But, uh, but yeah, it was. You know what? We were lucky to have Johnny Busick around um, with us in Boston, and uh, you know he he wore his uh, 70 and 72 ring around all the time because it was an actual ring that you can wear yeah you know it was it wasn't com- it wasn't uncomfortable and you know the outside diamonds weren't scratching the other parts of your finger and all that type of stuff and then you know we had Doug Jarvis as an assistant coach uh you know bringing in one of his Montreal Canadian rings and then you saw you know it wasn't much bigger but it was a little bit bigger and then 
Mark Recchi, his 91 ring was a little bit bigger. And then uh, he showed us his 06 ring with at Carolina. And then um, um, Sean Thornton had his Ducks ring, uh, which, you know, the Carolina and the Ducks ring were bigger. Yeah. And then our ring was just a little bit bigger than theirs. Mm -hmm. And then I got to see, obviously, Toffoli and, and Lewis's rings, and they were – we all won really at the same time, so those were kind of the same. Yeah. But I think I think especially from the Tampa rings, from Colsey's rings to Nas's ring now, mm -hmm. they've really – <laughs> they've really made him something special and you saw even when they opened the box they got like a little video video, amazing. video tribute thing playing and all that type of stuff so like i said it's become more of a you know household trophy type of thing than it is you know just something that you wear around yeah it's come along they gave you yours in a paper bag didn't they something like that <laughs> <laughs> no we still had it in a nice box but not as nice as it is now not as nice as that one yeah. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Uh, we're doing a charity hot stove October 26th. It's uh, Tree Living. It's Brian Burke, and we have a very special guest we're going to announce in the next couple of days who's a huge name in this city as well. Which of those two guys is, is going to tell the better stories, Tree or Berkey? Well, I, I, I would only – I would I would say Berkey maybe because he has more. <laughs> yeah, he's been around older. He's yeah, longer. Yeah, he's he's been around for a long, long time, and and he he's seen and heard. A, I'm sure everything, and you know he's been around so long. He he drafted my uncle back in 1991 with the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, remind people who your uncle is. Uh, his, Dan Kessa, and yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a Prince Albert Raider. He played what almost 20 games with Vancouver and year with Pittsburgh, a year with Tampa, and spent a lot of time in the in the IHL and AHL. But anyways, but yeah, Berkey's been around for so long. You know, different roles in the NHL, different roles, um, you know, different different roles as GM on different teams and also doing a lot of stuff with the media. So mm -hmm. I would have to say Berkey because he's probably had more. Yeah. And, uh, but, I'm, but I know they'll, they'll both have a lot of good stories to tell. Yeah, Tree tells a lot of great stories as well. Who's the biggest character you've ever played with? A guy you look back, you smile, and you just laugh and go, "My God, what, what a, what a crazy guy." Because uh, there've been a bunch, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, it's. I I got to go back to like my first couple years, you know, just because, um, you know, there there wasn't a a, a social media influence to to guys as there is now, so I mm -hmm. guess guys were kind of I don't, I don't even know how to explain it you know it was a little bit more old school that way uh but you could get away with a lot more that's for sure doing stuff i guess in a sense yeah mm -hmm. yeah but uh but yeah you know what there, I've, I've always had a lot of good characters that i play with i haven't played with any like crazy crazy animals i i, no. I would say <laughs> but uh you know what? A lot of guy, a guy that I always had a lot of fun with, and a guy that I always looked up to, and in a good way was 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 Sean Thornton. You know, he was a he was a character in his own way. Yeah. You know, he he was tough when he needed to be tough, and he was funny and kept things light when things needed to. And uh, yeah, he was he he was he was definitely a a great a great guy and a great character ha to have around and a great guy to look up to. So he was. He was uh, one that sticks out, uh, you know, more than more than most. More than most. Uh, two more questions here from Milan Lucic. Uh, one is, 
how would you describe the way your role – I mean, every player in the National Hockey League over time, especially when they uh, withstand the test of time like you have, they change their roles. Even Gretzky did it. You know, how would you describe the evolution of your game to where you are now? Well, well I think for me it's, it's obviously, uh, you know, you don't – I think the physical part of my game always has, has had to be there mm-hmm. in order for me to to have been effective. Um, but you know now with um, you know where where I slide in the lineup and and all that type of stuff is it's it's just bringing that physicality and, and energy and 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 leadership and 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 all that type of stuff to my role uh, more now than. I, I guess that's 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 the vocal point of my role. Where before it was, you know, a top six player, and mm-hmm. you know, expected to to score and and yeah. provide it, uh, offensively with that. And uh, but now it's it's just more, you know, being being like one of those checking role players who who comes with high energy and high, a lot of physicality every night, and also just you know just just being a leader in the room to you know being a good motivator and being a, being a good pro and all that type of stuff. And like I talked about, you know, even a guy like Sean Thornton, being a young guy looking up to him, you know, you, you kind of put yourself in his shoes. Yeah. And you know what? He, you know, he was that guy that played that fourth line role for us in Boston and he was good at it. And, and yeah, you know, you want to be a guy that the young guys look up to as well. So that's just one of the things that, it's part of my role now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you seem comfortable with the role for sure, so that's good. Tell me uh, last about this homestand. I mean, uh, somebody put it this morning to one of the players, said, you know, is there a lot of pressure on you with this eight-game homestand, which I don't even think I've ever heard of before. But, you know, I, I don't look at it as pressure. I think that most of you guys would look at it as opportunity. How, how do you view it? Yeah, and I think you got to – you know, got to go back to the cliche of just taking it one one game at a time, and mm-hmm. and uh, because if you look at it at eight games and you got to win all eight games, then then you kind of you're thinking too much, you're overthinking yeah. about everything and all that type of stuff, and um, you're you're then then that's when lows get too low and highs get too high, and you know you kind of lose track of what you're trying to accomplish on a game to game basis. So. Uh, so yeah, you know what? I I don't think I've ever seen this before either where yeah. nine of your first 10 games are at home. But you know, when we came back from COVID last year, um there was a long one in there too. Yeah, there was it a might have been eight games, uh, I guess. Seven? Yeah, there was yeah. there was a seven game homestand and and those were all our makeup games. Mm-hmm. And you know, we were kind of teetering in those wild card spots because we had fallen behind and those were our makeup games and we did the job and we won all of them. We just didn't win one of them, but no, we won all of them. And then we propelled ourselves to first place and then eventually winning the division. But I guess you can take past experiences like that and bring them into what we need to do in this in this case. And and back then, that's all we did was we looked at it one game at a time. And, you know, every night is two points. And, and that's something that we got to do here starting tomorrow. Awesome. Milan, I appreciate your time. Thank you, my friend. And we will see you uh We'll see you here tomorrow against uh, Las Vegas. All right. Thanks for having me again. All right. There he is. Milan Lucic. Lots of uh, interesting insights. He's always so fascinating to talk to. And uh, I really do uh, look forward to seeing whatever he gets into after the game. 
uh, after he's finished playing. But as he said, he'd like to play for several more years, and uh, and uh, so we wish him the best on that. Uh, earlier in the show, just before we talked to uh, Milan, I mentioned that Daryl Sutter has just been announced as someone who's going to join us for the Charity Hot Stove. October 26th, it's uh, Brad Living. It's Brian Burke, it's Daryl Sutter, and I thank everybody who sent in to 960-960 a text entering their name into the draw. I'm going to wait till the show's over and we get everybody's name in there, and then I will uh, draw two uh, for two tickets and someone's going to go. A value of 100 bucks. it includes your dinner and a drink and some incredible off-the-record stories uh, from three guys who, like I said, walk on water in this city. So... If you want to go, if you don't win tickets and you want to go, please go to my Twitter feed at Eric Francis or go to Kidsport Calgary and find the link to buy tickets. They're going to go quickly. Uh, now that we've announced Daryl is joining those other two luminaries, they're going to go quickly. So uh, I thank you for your interest and your support of Kidsport Calgary. It means a lot. And um, in terms of interesting items, <clears throat> good on Matthew Kachuk. I texted him about a week and a half ago and said, hey, can I get you to donate something for the pizza pig out? And uh, like two days later, I got an autographed uh, Matthew Kachuk Panthers jersey. Uh, I put it up on Twitter, and most Flames fans, of course, are saying use it as a tea towel or something like that. But uh, pretty cool of him to continue to donate to this community, uh, even though he's not here anymore. So I give him credit for that, and, and uh, uh, appreciate that much. So if people want to bid on that, you can also go to the Eric Francis pizzapigout.com and bid on all the online auction items that are already up there. We've got all the new guys from the Flames. They're up there as well. So, anyway, thank you uh, for listening to the Eric Francis Show. It's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta, live racing Friday and Saturdays at Century Downs. If you want more information, go to thehorses.com. Okay, we'll be back with our uh, magazine-style show again next week, every Monday from 1 to 2 o'clock here on Sports at 960. The Fan, I'm Eric Francis, and I thank you for listening. Cheers.